Hi there and welcome to this BJSM podcast. It's a great pleasure to be with Dr. Robert Salas today. Uh, Dr. Salas is the co-director of the Fellowship in Sports Medicine at Kaiser Permanente and he is a family physician and past president of the American College of Sports Medicine. He chairs the task force on exercise and medicine and that's what we're going to focus on in our conversation today. G'day there, G'day there Bob. Hey, Karim, thank you for having me. I appreciate the chance to be on here to talk about something I, I feel very passionate about. Great. And the listeners are going to be really happy to hear from you as we touch on the benefits of exercise for health, the Exercise in Medicine Initiative, and new program about national activity coming out of this, the U.S. that's just recently been launched. So why don't you just begin with telling us how exercise is associated with health? Well, you know, I, I think any of us, you don't have to practice medicine for very long to realize the effect that being physically active and fit has in terms of a positive effect on one's health. And myself as a family physician for 20 years, uh, I've just seen this so clearly that my patients who are fit and active live longer and healthier lives and those who are sedentary and unfit, you know, very predictably suffer prematurely from chronic diseases like diabetes or heart disease, uh, on and on and on. And and uh, die at a younger age. And, you know, through my involvement with the American College of Sports Medicine, you know, which the, the, the beauty of this organization is that it brings together a wide range of, of people who, uh, you know, from basic scientists to fitness professionals to physicians and clinicians, um, you know, through my involvement there, you know, the case to me has been laid out so clearly, you know, all the studies have been done to document the beneficial effects of exercise in terms of health. You just absolutely can ar cannot argue with the data, uh, particularly in terms of diseases like diabetes and uh, high blood pressure and osteoporosis, dementia, depression, uh, cancers, particularly breast and colon cancer, uh, you know, on and on and on. You, it's hard to find a disease that is not improved by being physically active. Uh, you know, I've, all of us who practice see it in our practices, and now we have uh, over the past, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we've accumulated a mass of data to back that up. So this is, uh, these are evidence-based statements. This is not just anecdotal, uh, although all of us have our anecdotal evidence. Uh, we have clear, you know, well-done scientific studies to back this up that have been published in all the mainstream medical journals. So, uh, you know, why aren't we instituting this? We've got a medication that clearly improves health and longevity that is very beneficial for the treatment and for the primary and secondary prevention of a variety of chronic diseases. It's really a vaccine, have you, to prevent chronic diseases. We've got this powerful medication. Why aren't we using it? Why do we continue to, org to ignore the evidence in organized medicine and, and not make strong efforts the sort of efforts that if we had a pill or a procedure with this kind of evidence behind it, we would go headlong into efforts to get patients to take this medication or to have this procedure done. Yet when it's something as simple as just exercising, which has virtually no side effects, um, we, we somehow just don't uh, take it seriously. And I, I just think the time has come where we start doing that, uh, where we merge the fitness industry with the healthcare industry, let's face it, we have an industry in this country that is built around getting and keeping people more active, and they work they operate entirely independently from the healthcare industry. 
they can do so much to help our patients much more than many of the consultants that I routinely refer my patients to, I believe would be better served by referring them to a fitness professional who could get them more active. And so I think we've just got to change the entire way we look at fitness. And, you know, we've been bombarded by information on the obesity epidemic. It seems to be the only thing that gets the press. But when you look at the data behind obesity, you see very clearly that obesity is not that great a risk factor for mortality and not near the risk factor that inactivity is. Yet we hear very little uh, uh, outcry about the inactivity epidemic. That scares me much more than the obesity epidemic. And, and we know from studies that, it, that you are better off being fat and fit than skinny and unfit. And we've got to get that message across. We've got to treat this inactivity epidemic like the dangerous condition that it is. And, and the focus that we've you know, given to obesity has got to be moved over to inactivity. That's really the more concerning, the more concerning epidemic in, in the world. Okay. You know, so so that's sort oh, that's, of the, the, what moved us from the evidence, uh, you know, and and uh, so so I'll let you go ahead and continue. Yeah, I think it's a great uh, leading to what we'd love to hear now is how to make that happen. So you've yeah. suggested there's a lot of evidence, and I think there are quite a few people now who believe that exercise is medicine, but uh, there's this barrier, what what they'd call in business, a, a sort of a, a channel problem, a distribution problem. How are we going to get people to do it? And that's where you've taken a terrific uh, lead. And tell us um, what you've done and what the plan is. Sure. Well, when I got the chance to serve as president of the American College of Sports Medicine, I, I knew, you know, I had this in my head what I wanted to do. You know, I really felt like some of my basic science colleagues at ACSM were looking at me as a physician like I'm crazy, you know, that, that why do physicians continue to ignore this information? You know, we've, we've, we've published all this data, yet physicians just say, well, we can't do anything about it and we're not going to make any effort to get our patients more active. And that just seemed crazy to me. Uh, You know, I I deal with these kind of issues every day. I mean, I have tremendous resistance from patients when I tell them they need to start on insulin shots. I mean, nobody wants to put a needle in them. Uh, And, and, you know, you would would think we could never convince patients to do those kind of things, to to take insulin shots, to to take chemotherapy that they know is going to cause them to lose all their hair that's going to almost kill them, bring them to the point of death uh, to kill the cancer cells. Uh, But we're able to convince them to do that. We're able to convince them to take medicines like Coumadin, which is the same, uh, which we use to poison rats in our garden. Uh, You know, we can convince them to do all kinds of crazy things in the name of health and the name of fighting disease, why would we think we couldn't convince people to exercise on a daily basis? We've got to try. We've got to give it the same effort that we've put into educational programs and, and prog- you know, training programs around procedures and pills that we administer in organized medicine. We've got to give the same effort to getting patients more active. So that was really the goal uh, of the Exercises Medicine Initiative, to make physical activity assessment and exercise prescription a standard part of the disease prevention and treatment paradigm for, for all patients so that it, exercise uh, would be a standard treatment that would be the first-line treatment and everybody would be on board with that message. So obviously a big task. And and to do that, we put together a great task force of individuals around the country, uh, both basic scientists, uh, fitness professionals, and physicians of of varying specialties. And we were joined at a national launch by 
by the Surgeon General, Steve Galson, and uh, who was then Surgeon General, uh, as well as uh, the president of the AMA, Ron Davis, uh, who was, is a, was a preventive medicine physician. Sadly, Ron passed away of pancreatic cancer uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, but not before he brought the AMA behind, fully behind this initiative uh, and helping us move it forward. So we held a national launch in Washington, D.C., um, back in uh, 2007, in November of 2007, and we've, uh, I think, made tremendous progress in, in, in seeing this happen. And uh, we have a great website at www.exerciseismedicine.org. I would encourage all your listeners to get on that website and take a look at, at uh, what we have on there. We've got some great tools for your patients, uh, for physicians, for fitness professionals. You can take a look at all our supporting organizations, which really are all the major medical organizations from around the United States have backed this initiative. And we've uh, made tremendous inroads internationally in establishing exercises, medicine, uh, um, in, in various countries. Uh, we've got memorandums of, of, of understanding with some 10 uh, different countries. I'm also very excited that we, uh, in conjunction with the 2010 uh, American College of Sports Medicine annual meeting in Baltimore uh, next month at the, the first week of, of June, uh, we're going to hold a World Congress on Exercises Medicine. We have over 52 countries represented uh, where we're going to sit down and share ideas and collaborations and establish networks that will extend around the world to try to get this movement going where we're, again, the goal of it is to combine the, the it has really become now to get physicians to assess and prescribe exercise and then have the fitness professionals who can help us carry out these prescriptions as part of the healthcare team. That's great. And uh, it's congratulations to you to get that cohesion, which has been such a challenge. Right now, if a listener wants to do something practical, um, should they look at the Exercises Medicine website uh, or should we sort of talk about um, the vital sign of physical activity first? What, what do you suggest? Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, an individual clinician, if they want to get involved, I, I think there's several areas to get involved. First, at, at, your, at your workplace. As a physician, I think exercise needs to be looked at as a vital sign. And I've practiced now for 20 years at Kaiser Permanente. We're, we're the world's largest health maintenance organization. And in Southern California, we have 4 million patients. And we now have every patient being asked at every visit by every specialty how many days a week they're doing at least moderate exercise like a brisk walk. And then on those days, on average, how many minutes per day. And then the computer multiplies the two numbers together to give us a minute per week average. In the United States, we had... The, the release uh, about a year and a half ago of the first U.S. physical activity guidelines, which called for all Americans to get uh, adults to get 150 minutes of moderate exercise like a brisk walk each week or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise uh, um, uh, three days a week. And then it also called for children to get uh, uh, 60 minutes of, of uh, exercise daily. So for the first time, we had the federal government issuing guidelines that for their health, all Americans should be engaging in regular physical activity. So, you know, we have really taken that as a mandate that within the healthcare system, we should be trying to carry that out. And to do that, we need to first assess 
patient's activity level because we know it is a great predictor of their health and longevity. In fact, I would submit you would be hard-pressed to find a better predictor of one's health and longevity than how many minutes per week of moderate exercise they do. And so we really look at that as a vital sign. I think you'd be better off ignoring blood pressure than ignoring a patient's activity level because we know that uh, you know moderate levels of hypertension are less of a risk factor for uh, coronary artery disease and other diseases uh, and, and premature death than being sedentary is. So I think as a first line, physicians need to assess patients' physical activity level and they need to inform them of the risks of being inactive so that no patient leaves the doctor's office without understanding that their level of that them being physically inactive is a strong risk factor for chronic disease and for premature death. That to me is a starting point. And then from there, once we've identified these folks who have become inactive, then I think we, our task is to try to help them get more active, just like we would try to help somebody who we found has high blood pressure get their blood pressure lower, or who has high cholesterol get their cholesterol lower. When we have a physically inactive person, we've got to figure out a way to get their activity level up. And that's where I think merging the fitness industry with the healthcare industry comes in, that we have a team of fitness professionals that I can refer to uh, to send my patients who, who I'm having difficulty getting them more active and who acutely need to be more active for their health I think we have an obligation to try to help them. And, and so we've got to figure that to me is the next task with this is to get the see this merging occur where fitness professionals come on board as part of the healthcare team. Okay, Bob. So uh, just help me out. Uh, when you've made this diagnosis of inactivity and you want a specific, say, a 55-year-old overweight person to get more active, um, what resources do you have at your hands in the office to get that done? And you alluded to the fitness professionals, but take us through the different options that you have as a physician. Yeah, uh, there, there's certainly at this point, I'd love to have more. But what we have in my setting is, is first of all, I think the most valuable thing is, is, is simply my uh, words to the patient. You know, anytime you have a patient, particularly a patient, say, who's just been diagnosed with diabetes or who just has had an MI, and that I can sit down with them and point out to them, I think a big factor in your diabetes or the, fat, the reason for you developing coronary artery disease has been you're sedentary, that you're not active enough, and I've got to get you walking. And so simply just laying it out for them with a written exercise prescription, I want, you know, whatever it is that this person likes to do. And my favorite, uh, you know, exercise of choice is simply walking. It's the simplest thing, um, you know, walking at a brisk pace, 30 minutes, five days a week. And you don't have to kill yourself to do it. You should walk at a pace fast enough that you couldn't sing while you're walking, but not so intensely that you couldn't talk while you're walking, the so-called sing-talk test. I use that every day. And so simply writing them out a prescription and informing them to do it, and we, uh, we give them a printed sheet that talks about the importance of exercise, that's the baseline. The first thing we do is an exercise prescription. Now, beyond that, we've developed a couple of resources where I work at Kaiser Permanente. Now, you know, that starting point is something any physician can do. But we are, uh, we've been experimenting with a telephone helpline where patients who I'm concerned or have issues, perhaps um, some difficulties like I've got a bad knee or I've got uh, other limitations that prevent me from doing the simplest exercises, that they actually talk with a fitness professional by phone who helps them develop a plan and then follows them along. And we've done a couple of studies, some pilot studies on this uh, telephone helpline that have shown that our patients who enroll in this are more likely to stay physically active at the recommended amounts for a longer period of time. 
The other thing we're experimenting, experimenting with is a, uh, is a program called Fit Orbit, which uh, is a uh, online personal trainer that uh, we've been able to develop it pretty economically through an outside, uh, a, uh, outside company that uh, allows our patients to get online, put in uh, some of their goals and uh, hit medical history, and, and then they can select a personal trainer who works with them online. And again, I think these are both of these are ways where we have patients being held accountable to someone um, to help encourage them to get the exercise they need. And, and uh, we've uh, had a lot of, you know, again, just anecdotal success with starting these. These have, again, just started up. Uh, the the next steps I think that we'll, we're going to move towards is to start hiring some fitness professionals within our system to work in our health education department and work starting with our chronic disease patients. When our diabetics come in, we have uh, some diabetic teaching programs that we do with patients where they they meet with dietitians, they meet with a, a diabetic nurse who can tell them how to show them how to measure their blood sugar, show them how how to give an insulin shot, uh, how to interpret and adjust their insulin level based on their AccuCheck readings. We also want to include a fitness person who's holding them accountable after the dietitian meets with them, talks to them about what they should be eating. We'll have the fitness person sit down with them and talk to them about their physical activity, what are their options, how much they need to do, and design a, as we would design a diet plan, design a physical activity plan. Uh, I think that's our next step in, in trying to work with these patients who are inactive. And we'll start with those who have chronic diseases and then hopefully move it forward where every patient gets this kind of an assessment. So let's move on to finish up and talk about the National Physical Activity Plan. Uh, you've been at the helm of this and uh, you're in great position to fill in the listeners about this initiative. Yeah, the, I'm very excited about the first national physical activity plan in the United States. We've, the, you know, a lot of countries are way ahead of us, have developed plans for physical activity, and uh, you know, we're really behind in this game, but at least it's happening now. And, and this, uh, this plan brought together some just great people from around the country, um, and I was uh, lucky enough to be able to chair the healthcare sector of the plan, which I, I, I feel like is a, is a very important sector, and it fits right in with the whole exercises medicine idea. Um, so that plan is going to launch uh, in Washington, D.C. on Monday, uh, which is uh, on Monday, May 3rd. So uh, when this podcast airs, the plan will already have been launched, and um, you'll be able to look at, uh, there's a great website uh, for the U.S. Physical Activity Plan. You'll be able to see the finalized plan. Uh, even today, you can get um, you know, rough drafts of the plan. But uh, we're excited for that to launch, and we've got a, a host of folks coming to Washington, D.C. At, at the Press Club, um, and there's going to be also events going on around the country uh, to, uh, in conjunction with the release of this plan. It's an exciting development that's been in the works for quite a few years, and it really was initiated by you know just a collection of, of individuals, uh, private and public uh, scientists, clinicians coming together to develop a plan. We realized that it's going to take a global effort to get uh, the citizens of the United States more active, and and I think of any country we have a tough time with with a lot of constraints that we have in the in the systems that have developed in this country and getting folks more active. We've really engineered physical activity out of our lives over the last 50 years. Uh, that's all been sort of a progress. You know, we we end up spending more time in computer terminals and desks than we do out doing physical jobs. So the plan actually encompasses eight different sectors, and as I mentioned, the healthcare sector I I think is key and and. And much of what I've discussed regarding exercise as medicine is going to be the corners represent the cornerstones of the healthcare sector of that national plan. But 
we also have many important other sectors, and, and these include the public health sectors, trying to get public health health agencies in the United States at the federal, state, and lo local levels to do things to support uh, people getting more active. We also have a sector on mass media to, to engage web, uh, television, and media around the importance of physical activity. I think it's great. It's very helpful to, to look at what we had did with the battle of smoke against smoking uh, and informing the public of the risk of smoking. We've got to take a similar approach to physical activity. Uh, we also have a sector on education where we'll uh, encourage uh, educational agencies at all levels, federal, state, local levels, and all schools uh, from preschool to college level to start ramping up physical activity. We've gone away with that so much in our schools, done away with PE, limited recess, things like that. Uh, we've got to get back to the basics of getting kids more active. We're also going to, we have a sector on volunteer and nonprofit organizations and various volunteer organizations to try to get them committed to the issues uh, that impact or are, are impacted on by, by physical activity and particularly with regards to underserved minority communities and disproportionately proportionally affected minorities and women and things like that who may not have as much access to physical activity and sports and, and the like. Uh, we'll also have a sector on transportation, urban design, and community planning. We have got to develop communities that are conducive to physical activity. So we're going to engage relevant agencies at the federal, state, and local level uh, with regards to transportation, the design of uh, communities, and community planning to make them very sensitive to the needs for physical activity. We'll also have a sector on business and industry, uh, which will uh, provide information on worksite health and manufacturers of products that impact on physical activity. You know, those are some of our biggest issues where, you know, when we go to work each day, many of us sit in sedentary jobs at a desk all day, very little opportunities for physical activity. We continually make it uh, where the more time is at the desk, at the screen, less time walking around, taking the stairs, things like that. So we've got a lot of work to do within the business and industry sector. And then the last sector is parks, recreation, fitness, and sports. Obviously, these are great outlets for physical activity. And again, we'll work with agencies at the federal, state, and local levels, as long, along with private, the private fitness industries, uh, manufacturers of gym equipment, things like that, uh, as well as sports organizations and events, endurance events in the community, things like that. We've got to ramp up opportunities for Americans to get physically active. So it's exciting. Eight sectors come together. Um, all of those that I mentioned along with our healthcare sector, which I told you about for exercise as medicine, are the components of this plan, um, which we can then begin to implement starting just at our local levels, at our grassroots levels, and those of your, your readership and listenership in the United States, I hope will take this plan to their local community, to, to their city hall, and have them work on this plan to their county level, to the state level, and then as a national level for all of us to circulate this plan and begin to work it, with it in the United States. Fantastic. Well, Bob, I think uh, we can leave it there. You've got to get out there and tell patients to, to be active. Um, we can summarise, though, um, that we want people to go to the EIM website, so I'll get you to mention that one more time. Um, sure. Why don't you do that first, Bob? Sure. The exercise is medicine.org. Uh, keep in May. Keep in mind, May is a is in the National Physical Activity Month, the National Exercises Medicine Month. So, uh, we're moving into a month here where uh, you know th this is a time when you should really start moving forward with it. Uh, and as I mentioned, the launch of the the uh, National Physical Activity Plan co coincides with May, 
you know, it's a great time to start working on your patient's activity level. And there will be lots of events happening around the country, uh, lots of resources on the web. I'd encourage you to check out the Exercise Medicine website as well as the website for the National Physical Activity Plan. And you can see uh, what's going on there uh, in the various sectors that are included in this plan. Um, so that, that's very exciting. That's great. And I'll take a chance to remind uh, the listeners that on the BJSM homepage, they can find your article from the January 2009 uh, BJSM. There was a special issue on physical activity is health in January and February of 2009. And uh, if they put in Robert Salas, they'll find your article there as well as other great articles. I encourage listeners to go to the blog and comment and share their success stories. And uh, I just take this chance to thank you very much, Bob, for being on the call today and sharing your information with the BJSM audience. Thanks a lot, well, Bob. Krim, thank, thank you very much. And I want to thank you for your leadership and support with regards to physical activity. Your, the issues you did have been a tremendous reference uh, on uh, exercises, medicine, and the importance of physical activity. You've been a great advocate, and the, and the journal has been a great supporter. And, and I'm excited to, as we move forward to work on this together because uh, I think that the sports medicine physician community really are the advocates for this. I mean, we get it. We see it. We, we interact with these scientists. And uh, I think we've got to be the ones that move this forward. And, and I appreciate your support in doing that. No, no worries. And uh, you're tempting me to ask you online and publicly if you're going to uh, provide the little article about uh, physical activity being a vital sign uh, for BJSM. <laughs> Yes, I'll get that done because I think that's very important. I think that's an important first step and something that needs to be done right away because we're seeing these electronic medical records being released, and I think we've got to get a foot in the door so that exercise is, as a vital sign is on all of these electronic medical records. I think every pa it's so important for every patient to be asked about it, so that's an important thing to get done. Fantastic. Okay, well, look, uh, have a great day, and thanks for your time today. You too, Karim. Thank you. Bye-bye.